Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, Right Time Experiences, published by Wiley. She's also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be here today with Joe Peterson, who's the VP of Cloud and Security at Clarify 360, and Bobby Allen, who is the VP of Strategic Alliances at Turbonomic. Uh, Both of these executives are great at helping individuals and companies migrate to the cloud and have a lot of wonderful expertise. I've actually been talking to a lot of organizations myself. I've been watching the phenomenon of cloud computing as it went from public cloud to private cloud to multi-cloud to hybrid cloud. There's a lot going on in the cloud right now. So I thought it might be good to get a little clarity from some people that are in the know. And when we were originally talking about having this show, I know that Bobby actually threw out an interesting premise and he said, the cloud isn't the problem. We are. And I was like, I need to do a podcast to hear more about that and what we mean by that. So why don't we just jump right in and say, you know, Bobby, are we really transforming with cloud computing or are we just automating the mess we have? And how can organizations really tell the difference? So that's an excellent question, Maribel. And so this is what I would say. Let me start with my personal mantra for 2020. And that has been that technology is the easy part. Data and behavior are the hard parts. Part of how I know uh, or part of how I would submit that we know if we're really transforming or not is are we dealing with the people part? Are we dealing with the culture? Are we dealing with the behavior? If we're doing the same thing in a different venue, that's not going to work well. I would consider that automating the mess. So when you see people that are lifting and shifting to the cloud, I'm going to take all my stuff in the data center and dump it in AWS. And then they get shocked because their bill doubled or tripled. Why did that happen? Because you automated the mess. It's almost like, so unfortunately, I should say this the right way. I've been married 21 years. That's the good part. The bad part is that I moved a whole lot. Automating the mess is like when you have moving boxes from three houses ago, stuff that you should have thrown out and you moved it again and again and again. That's a lot of what is happening, Maribel, is people are moving the junk that they should have thrown out. That's what I consider automating the mess. Having just moved, I can fully appreciate, you know, you you get to the end and you're just going to put it in a box no matter what. But this reminds me a lot of what was happening in the days of mobility, where you were trying to take an application that wasn't designed to mobile and put it on a two-inch screen. It's the equivalent of automating the mess. From your perspective, Joe, are you seeing the same thing? 
Well, first of all, Bobby is is always a tough act to follow in these questions, right? He answers so well. But a couple thoughts. I like the term intelligent automation. So as it relates to cloud, a good example would be the ability to spin up and spin down um, virtual machines according to their dynamic real-time demand. And this reduces the number of idle machines that are running at a given time. Um, and it results in cloud optimization, right? So intelligent automation is based on AI. But to your point, AI should change what you do, not just how you do it. Have we moved the business needle sort of somehow by reimagining a customer experience or by getting to market faster? What's been the thing that's been the direct result to the business of what we've done? Um, also, we can't automate in a vacuum, to Bobby's point. You know, can we address all the workloads? So VMware recently acquired SaltStack. And the hope was that this addition would significantly broaden VMware's software configuration management and infrastructure and network automation capabilities. Um, we're going to see more moves like this to address hybrid workloads. So it's not slowing down anytime soon. I like this concept because the original thought around cloud actually really was very much a lift and shift for many organizations. And I think as we have moved through, you know, cloud not being a new concept more than a decade old now, I think it's about time for us to start talking about how do we add intelligence? How do we change the way we think about workloads? And frankly, with a lot of organizations, we're starting to talk about application modernization and building applications in a new and different way. But I think so many of the organizations right now, you know, they're, they're hearing a lot about um, this multi-cloud and hybrid cloud thing. Is that a good thing or unnecessary complexity or how should organizations be thinking about that? And maybe it's a little bit of both. There's some good and bad to it, but uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there, there are, right. There's two sides to the coin. I think the truth of the matter, and I'm going to love to hear Bobby's point here, but customers are forced to deal with multi-cloud. They inherit it. It's not necessarily a strategy per se. Um, lines of business, business have sort of done their own things and IT has inherited the results. Or they call IT in after the fact and they say, uh, yeah, you know, we spun this up on hybrid scale, hyperscale or XYZ um, and now it's not working so good. Can you fix it? Right. This is these are the real conversations that happen. So nothing in multi-cloud is pretty or easy. It, in theory, it's great, but most organizations have resource and budgetary constraints. They do. And forget security. That's this whole other set of problems, right? Trying to ramp up on multi-cloud platforms to account for people and process and culture, all the things we think about, is tough. So if multi-cloud is the hand that you were dealt or the one you're driving towards, it's really important to know gaps and best practices to sort of manage each. That's what I'd say. Bobby, are you pro or con on multi-cloud or it's just the reality and we need to work our way through it? So let, let me let me define my take on multi-cloud a little bit. I think multi-cloud for a single application doesn't make sense. If you're talking about one application deployed spread across multiple clouds, you really just made it hard on yourself. That's going to look good when you're on stage. But for the people that have to support that, they're, that are going to get the calls at night, they're going to hate you. So I do not recommend taking an application and splitting it apart and putting it in multiple places 
uh, again, good conversation, bad in practice. And I think that Joe hit a great point. Multi-cloud, for the most part, is something that is inherited, not chosen. Because the complexity of multi-cloud, I'm going to use a sports analogy. In theory, everybody can play football and baseball, but there was one Bo Jackson. There was one guy who was an all-star in Bo. Mastering multiple clouds at the same time is probably about that difficult. Maybe it's not as bad as being struck by lightning, but there are not a lot of people that can master multiple clouds at the same time. And I think it's going to have holes in your strategy down the road. So what I'll say is do it if you're convinced that it's absolutely necessary, but I'm not convinced that it's necessary, honestly. Most companies that I talk to about multi-cloud, honestly, Maribel, they're doing it because they want to keep the first vendor honest. I'm really running in Amazon or Azure. I'm flirting with Google because I want to get a better deal with the first one, but they're not really, really using it at scale. I actually echo this sentiment in a lot of ways. I've spoken to a lot of organizations. So if if I step back and say originally when I, along with other industry analysts, were talking about cloud, at one point in time, I think there was actually this vision that somebody was going to hit a button and move workloads from one cloud to another to save a fraction of a cent. And that just seems crazy right now. And it's the same with applications. All the organizations I speak to that are doing multi-cloud they're picking a set of workloads per cloud. So maybe if you are in a specific cloud, you're doing that because you really like the analytics of that cloud. Maybe you're in a different cloud because you really feel they did something special with SAP and SAP is core to your business. And maybe you want to have a collaboration suite in a different cloud because you're working with that. So I agree with that. And I actually had one organization look at me one day said, I'm having enough trouble getting my folks up and running on one cloud. Multi-cloud is actually an extremely complicated value prop for us unless we see anything. But the reality is I think multi-cloud is out there for a lot of organizations. And I think we'll spend a lot of 2021 trying to figure out how we manage that in a way that doesn't cause people to quit their jobs. Now, the other thing that we've been talking about is hybrid cloud, which is not necessarily multi-cloud. I think there's some nuances to that whole discussion. And and frankly, I suppose I would start by saying that whenever I talk to somebody about hybrid cloud, we have to spend the first 10 minutes defining what did you even mean when you said hybrid cloud. But having said that, um, is hybrid cloud a strategic decision or just claiming victory because we got stuck between the two worlds? If you could see their faces, they're actually looking at me like, hmm, how do we answer this one? You want to take that one first, Joe? Oh, thank you. Being a gentleman, I appreciate that. Um, So here's the deal. The truth is you probably landed hybrid for a number of reasons, but that doesn't mean you can't have a real strategy around it, right? I tell people that they need to do five things if they find themselves here. They need to choose a cloud operating framework. Absolutely. They need to have a real plan around their on-premise modernization strategy. I can't tell you how many times that cost are doubled because people sort of stay in both for a while, right? Um, You need to choose specific cloud environments for your hybrid cloud. So decide which apps and services run on which cloud. Know that in advance. Don't let it just happen to you because cloud just happens sometimes to people. Um, And then standardize the set of SaaS providers you're going to use 
as best as you can. So a good example is look at all the internal messaging systems that we're using right now, right? Crazy. Do you really need Slack and Jabber and Jive? Do you need everything? <laughs> Always laughing. Do you need everything? Come down with a policy and say, we're going to support this organizationally. I think that helps the IT teams not only be more strategic, but be more secure. Back to how can they secure and support what they don't know about? That's what I'd say. You're, you're paying double for the cloud really resonated with me because I hear about that from so many people. And the other thing that popped into my mind is when bad cloud happens to good people. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, what are you thinking with the hybrid cloud? I think I've been surprised, actually, Maribel. There are some customers I've dealt with that are doing hybrid cloud and are pretty happy with it. I was a little surprised, you know, literally hybrid with the same application. One part of the app is out in the cloud and another part of the app is at home uh, on premises. And part of what I think is driving that a lot of times, and we'll probably talk about this later in our conversation, is the data. Right. Everybody knows data is the lifeblood of the enterprise. And I think it scares a lot of companies to think that my data is in the hands of Jeff Bezos or Satya or, you know, one of these cloud providers. I want to keep my data at home. I might cache it in the cloud. I might put my logic in the cloud, but I want my, you know, the bread and butter, the, my, my crown jewels, my customer data, my sales data, all that kind of stuff. They really want that to stay on prem. That's the biggest reason I see driving hybrid. And honestly, uh, if that helps you sleep better at night, then I can't knock it, right? Um, I've seen people that are doing it well, like I said, with you know caching layers and things like that where the latency isn't biting them. And I think the other part, so Charlotte's a banking town. I, I use this analogy often when it comes to data in the cloud, right? If I go to the ATM and I have to pay 50 cents to get out 40 bucks, I can probably live with that. I'm not going to pay five bucks to get out 40 bucks. And I think what scares people the most about cloud, why they go hybrid, is they don't want to have egress charges that exceed a certain percentage of their cloud bill. And if your data footprint is ever growing in the public cloud, then those are going to start to look like really pricey ATM fees after a while. So that helps them sleep better at night. And if there's a level of, you know, uh, reduced anxiety and stress that works for people, then, you know, I'll co-sign for that. I think you're picking up on the key themes that I've been speaking with a lot of organizations about. Both of you have uh, picked up on uh, there's manageability, there's cost, uh, there's security, there's data residency regulation. All of those are really interesting issues. And I think for years we've struggled with this concept of how do we bridge that to a public cloud service? And there was never really a good answer to that. And I think finally, after more than a decade, uh, some of the technology vendors have come back and said, okay, we can find a way to make this work for you. And then it starts to become more of this concept of cloud as an operating model and how do we think about data moving forward. Now, I think we're a long way away from some of that discussion that we've seen with the vendors about smoothness of that sort of working and, and if that could work. But at least conceptually, I think one of the things that has happened is that there's been a recognition that people don't necessarily want all of their data in the cloud. And that I think is, you know, the the entry point to how we think about hybrid and then where it goes from there. I think we're going to have some healthy discussions here in 2021 on how to make that happen. Um, now, I, I think we've been saying that companies are all over the place and 
you know, obviously we want to try to give some recommendations and thoughts on how they should think about where to move going forward. So if you were sitting down in front of one of the many organizations that I know that you guys consult with every day, where do you think they should start to define their cloud strategies? So I'll, I'll defer to you again, if you'd oh, like to go first. Okay. So you let me go first and then you come in and you're, you're smarter. You say smarter things. So, so I would tell them, you know, Ensure that you plan ahead of time, right? You're not doing enough planning before you're embarking on adopting the cloud. And that's that comes from a failure to do due diligence on the application portfolio within the business, right? So step back and think about, hey, what are my, I went through this exercise recently with a, with a firm, what are my 100 most used apps? And how do those string together? Start with an application rationalization. Know what you're dealing with, right? And then you can decide on the workloads. And think about, you know, which parts of the environment you're going to take first. Um, you, you know, are you going to take development to the cloud first? Are you going to take your DR to the cloud? Are you going to take your non-prod? What things can you take first that are lower impact in terms of lessons learned? Don't just run and take your production environment to the cloud. Do the other stuff where you're going to learn some things along the way before you take the crown jewels back to Bobby's part. The second thing is, and we talked about it a little bit before, don't hesitate too long before transitioning. So you've done the work, you've done the due diligence, you are going to get migration fatigue. No question. Um, Think about, be, be realistic about your timeline and think about doing it in chunks because I guarantee you it's going to take double the time that you thought it was going to take. It just does. I don't know why. And while that's happening, you've got these two cost centers and you've got like this pissed off CFO because he's not happy. So, yeah, <laughs> enough of my silliness. Bobby, what do you think? So in terms of kind of where to start, I'll start with, um, I, I usually recommend that folks start with what I call the three D's of data. So data storage, data transport, data organization. How are you going to move your data? How are you going to store your data? And then how are you going to organize it? Databases, data warehouses, data lakes. Because the reality is you can move compute anywhere. You can analyze data and process code anywhere. But a data strategy is central because other than that, you'll have data all over the place. And what you really need to look at as an enterprise is how are we going to gain insight from all of our data in these various places. I mean, when you look at it, Maribel, that's part of why, to me, companies like Snowflake are doing so well in the market because having a data repository that is vendor agnostic, can be in any cloud provider, on-prem, off-prem, et cetera, you've got one place where your data can grow and expand and you can glean insights from that. The challenge that we didn't talk about with hybrid and multi-cloud is if my data is all is in all these bespoke places, Am I going to have to work twice as hard now to gain insights at the company level? So that's why I recommend starting there. And then there, there are going to be some other boundaries that you can produce from that exercise. I think the concept of where data lives, how we access it, how we make sure there's a single source of the truth has been one of these challenges that has existed since the dawn of time. And we will probably be sitting here, you know, many years from now, uh, Having said, oh, I remember when, and here we still are, right? Uh, I hope 
that we get to a better place around that. But I think right now data is a critical issue and challenge for all organizations. Um, We have spent some time discussing cost. And I know Joe has brought this up several times in in her comments. Uh, Bobby, any tips or thoughts on how companies can basically get a better handle on controlling costs in this environment? It seems like all we're doing is layering more and more and more clouds. Uh, We've got SaaS clouds, we've got data clouds, we've got hybrid cloud. Mm -hmm. I, I think Joe touched on it in one of her comments before. The issue is planning. And, and the challenge, Mirabelle, is that we are mixing up planning with analysis. Planning versus analysis is like tax preparation versus tax planning. When I go to my CPA at the end of the year and give him my receipts and W-2s and 1099s and all that, that's already 90% done. I just want him or her to not screw it up. That's not planning for the future. And the reality is what I want to be able to do is to go over what if scenarios with someone about what if I do this or do this type of investment or sell this stock or whatever, what are the implications of that for next year? That's what's not happening well from a cloud perspective. We're throwing stuff out there and maybe we run a simple calculator in a spreadsheet, but there are companies, solutions, partners that can help us plan what that looks like. If I'm going to put something out there, for example, I should have a top to bottom pretty decent estimate about all the charges, uh, you know, out in the open and hidden that that's going to cost me for at least a year. What is that estimate? And I would argue, Maribel, that I should not just take the estimate from the vendor because that's the fox watching the hen house. Is there a third party objective provider or partner that's helped me understand the value or the cost of what that's going to be that's not compensated if I'm wrong and I spend more money? So I think it's it's the planning. It's back to what Joe said before. We need to focus on planning. And to me, Joe um, and Maribel, analysis is the rearview mirror. Planning is the windshield. We need more windshield time. If you spend all your time driving, looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. I, I love these. I, I don't know if I have anything to add to that. I'm, I'm just going to let that one rest. Okay, so... I think where we are now is we've talked a little bit about some of the challenges people had. We've talked a little bit about the strategies for things such as cost containment. Uh, What do we think is working well and any closing thoughts on advice for organizations? I'm going to guess you're going to ask a a question about what's people, what's keeping the executives up at night in a minute here. I'm going to guess you're going to ask something like that. But um, I would say that, what I'm starting to see, and I'm wondering if Bobby's seen it too, I'm seeing this great sort of cross-skilling that's happening, right? And I had a, a CISO that I was talking to the other day, and he goes, oh, yeah, a network guy that knows security? That's a purple squirrel. I need to find more purple squirrels, right? But I'm starting to see this happening, because, and I think it's great because they're, then they're able to bring, like, say you got a network guy that knows security, they're able to then bring all the intelligence, all their experience with network over to the other side of the table, right? So you're starting to see these awesome roles created, especially in the bigger firms like DevOpsSec, you know, and AI ops and, and all these cool titles. And what it means is that these schools of thought are coming together and cross-training is happening among the team. And that's super encouraging because 
you don't, you know, it takes a village to raise a cloud. It really just does. And you're not going to get the, if you're going to run your whole business in the cloud, boy, you better have some folks to support that. And so I'm very encouraged by seeing that. Can I jump in there, Maribel? I, I love, I love Joe's answer because I often say to people, cloud is at best a teenager that just learned how to drive. In terms of it takes a village to raise a cloud, she's right. And what's happening is I think positively a lot of executives are realizing we need help. We don't have this all figured out. And what I think is happening, again, when you think about a teenager, their capability level for the first time, especially when they're behind the wheel of a car, has exceeded their ability to to comprehend consequences. And so a lot of times when you have those cross-functional rock stars like Joe is talking about, they can help you understand, yes, we can do this, but then here's what could go south if we do do this. And I think that people are admitting, uh, I've got a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. So here, here's my stance real quick on cloud experts. I think cloud experts are almost like parents of teenagers. You may be going well so far, but it's probably too early to claim victory. I'm not done yet. I've been doing this for a while, but I got a long way to go. And I think part of it is if we compare notes with each other and if we, so, so the positive part back to your question is, People are willing to say, now, we don't have it all figured out. Let's bring in some outside help. Let's bring in some people that will help us understand the guardrails and the curfew. We need to put on this cloud thing as it just learn how to drive so that we don't have, you know, another issue where I'm bailing it out of jail later. I just had visions of those insurance commercials where, you know, you see the kid that somehow managed to end up with, you know, the car on top of a fountain and he's fine. But, you know, the the insurance agent is standing there writing it up and you're like, oh, that's a bad day when you go home to talk to mom and dad for sure. Uh, so we've, we've got teenagers, purple squirrels and a village to make cloud computing work. <laughs> With that, I'm going to say we're coming close to time. Any closing thoughts you would like to leave the audience with? Bobby, give us one closing thought on cloud computing. So my closing thought on cloud computing is really applicable to life too, Maribel. I think this is what we're struggling with. We are struggling with how to differentiate different versus better. Do I need to do something, a better version of what I'm already doing now? Do I need a faster horse or do I need a car? And the problem is that the, the images and the choices and the options are coming at us so quickly now that there's pressure to abandon something that might have worked. And so here's where I'll land. Because the choices are some coming so quickly, people are focused on a choice, not a way to choose. If you don't have a way to choose, every option is going to make you decommit or second guess yourself more. You like that. I like that a lot. Joe? I'm going to be a little irreverent here. I'm going to say... Please. Show me the money for cloud security. Security is not an IT problem, people. It's a business problem. Amen. Investing in security is not investing in your company, your brand, and your corporate reputation. That's it. That's good. (laughs) We have had some sage wisdom shared in this podcast, and I think we've had some fun, too. So with that... Joe, Bobby, I thank you for your time and sharing your insights. And I really look forward to seeing what you are going to be helping customers with next and hearing more about that. Thank you. Thank you you for having us.